0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 3rd, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. A Florida judge has turned back a union's challenge to the state's education savings accounts for special needs children. Clint Bullock of the Goldwater Institute argued in favor of the program. We spoke at the State Policy Network's annual meeting in Denver, Colorado. There are several different school choice options that are out there, some of which are state appropriations. Some of them are not and despite the fact that they are not, some people insist that they are somehow. <laughs> uh, so what, what is the case in Florida? And uh, describe what the, the facts of that are. Well, this
1: involves a very exciting concept in school choice, which is education savings accounts, which were born in Arizona a few years ago. Florida's the second state to adopt them. Education savings accounts I like to describe as vouchers on steroids. If you're a kid who, Uh, is eligible and leaves the public school, the state will fund a savings account, very much like a health savings account, that can be used for any educational purpose, not just private school tuition, but distance learning, tutoring, purchasing discrete services from public or private schools. And if you don't use all of the money, you can save it for college. Saves the, the state money, it gives a plethora of choices to kids, and it's the first public policy in education that allows kids to harness the technology of the 21st century.
0: Now, this is not identical to the 529 Plans that states have involved—is that right? That's right. It's
1: it's similar, but uh, you can you can use these accounts for any K to twelve educational expense. What's the problem with that, <laughs> at least as a legal matter? Well, the problem with that is not a legal matter at all. It upsets the teachers unions, and of course they see this as a a huge threat, even more than school vouchers in in the sense that uh, this could really revolutionize the delivery of education. For example, uh, the teachers unions are fighting for lower class sizes so that we have to hire more school teachers. But we now have the technology to allow millions of kids to access the very best teachers in the entire world. And that's exactly how we ought to be delivering education. And this is the only public policy that allows kids to use their state funds to access that, that incredible
0: technology. So the unions are really, really threatened. So by what's, what's the legal argument for why this is not a constitutional uh, exercise? Well,
1: in Arizona, Uh, There was the traditional challenge that this violated um, the state's prohibition against state aid of private schools. That provision of our Constitution was used to strike down vouchers but the very same courts that struck down vouchers upheld education savings accounts. In Florida, the argument is not that at all, but rather this was passed as part of a broad education reform uh, bill. And uh, the union is arguing, hey, this violates our guarantee of having only a single subject in a bill. It's what they've referred to as their bag of tricks. And they just use whatever they think might actually derail school choice in a particular situation.
0: Single subject uh, legislation and the purpose of that as a constitutional matter at the state level is a legitimate, I think, uh, doctrine. Not only legitimate, but laudatory. We've
1: used it to strike things down in the past. Fortunately for us, this was an education bill and all of the provisions related to education. So I think we're in very solid shape, both philosophically as well as legally. This lost at the trial court level? Yes. The, uh, the union brought the case and the court dismissed the lawsuit uh, on the very day of argument, which is pretty unusual. Usually us lawyers have to wait a long time for a decision, but uh, the, the judge threw it out. Of course, this is only the opening round. We have a long way to go. But so far, I'm happy to say that we have not lost a single round of any of the court challenges against education savings accounts. At the Goldwater Institute, we are working with a number of states that are considering education savings accounts. We came very, very close to having it adopted in Mississippi last year. We're going to go back there this year. Obviously, Mississippi could use a good dose of school choice. We're looking at Delaware, Tennessee, Georgia, Utah, um, especially states that have had difficulty uh, adopting other forms of school choice or states where there are problematic state constitutions that might limit vouchers or tax credits. So I, I see this, uh, this idea of education savings accounts really exploding on the national scene.
0: Within the context of education in Florida, what is meant by uniformity in the uh, state uh, laws and the constitution? Well, a number of state
1: constitutions have provisions requiring a uniform public education. Only one state has had a court that has actually struck down a program in Florida school vouchers as violating the uniformity provision. Basically, the the Florida Supreme Court held that if you have a state-funded system of education, it must be uniform with all others. This would be the death knell for not only for school choice, but for education writ large. Because the last thing we want to do is to have a one size fits all system. This very same theory came within one vote in Ohio of striking down charter schools. So this is a a very scary and dangerous notion. And if we were to hit that roadblock, we would actually have to we'd have to amend the constitutions to to overcome that
0: so uniformity but but I mean even as a legal term that must be applied and used by a court it's completely incoherent yes
1: that's absolutely right for example Does every school have to start at exactly the same time each day? Does it have to be teaching the same classes at the same time? Can it offer AP classes? That's not uniform. Not everybody's taking the AP classes. So you're absolutely right ultimately it's a logical absurdity if you apply it uh, categorically what it was intended to do was simply to allow for uh, a floor for educational opportunities and most state consta- uh, most state courts that have interpreted those provisions have said listen You can't be a a kid in Anacostia, for example, and not have the same threshold basic opportunity as a kid in in northwest D.C. Um, But beyond that minimum, there's not a straitjacket. The state's obligation is satisfied once it's provided that basic educational opportunity, but Florida, in, in, uh, in, in, a, in a very troubling decision by the state Supreme Court there, basically held that it was a ceiling as well, and that in addition to making those basic opportunities available, you could
0: not allow for choices outside of the system. Clint Bullock is Director of Litigation at the Goldwater Institute. You can read more about educational freedom at our website, cato.org.